Curse. Welcome to No Prize from God, episode 34. No Prize from God features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. My guest this episode is Satir Wangraven, frontman for the Norwegian black metal band Satyricon. This is Satir's second trip through with No Prize from God so far. And in this one, we spoke a great deal about the spiritual and creative connections between nature, music, and the visual arts. Anchored specifically around the Satyricon and Edvard Munk exhibition, which ran for several months in Norway in 2022. Satyricon put together a bunch of new music, inspired by and meant to accompany hand-selected works of art from Norway's most famous artist. Each of them focused on existential themes, rhythms, and waves. You can keep up with everything No Prize From God at noprizefromgod.com, where you can learn a whole bunch more about the guests and the themes and the topics discussed in the podcast. Find all of the social media outlets and so on. Remember, the best way you can support this podcast is to leave a five-star rating and write a nice little review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform of choice. So here it is, my conversation with Satir Wangraven of Satyricon. This is No Prize from God. type of thing where um, uh, the idea in itself is is very much a process I suppose all ideas are but especially something like this and you know um, this all these observations that I made over time in nature have no they've had massive impact on 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 the musical evolution of satiricon and i think that what was particularly interesting about this one is because usually when you're out in nature as an artist in the country that we live in here is that you know it's going it's going to be it's going to be um um the deep forests or the mighty mountains or or the sunsets or the sunrise or the the full moon or something mystical or or epic or atmospheric in some way or another but this is a bit different because um i do walk a lot in nature and most of the time i don't listen to music um but sometimes i do and over time kept noticing more and more that it's interesting when i play music that you imagine uh, is going to work well um, in in the forest, then it has the tendency of um, you know uh, really affecting your other senses, not just your hearing, but but uh, I, I I noticed over time that how it will make me experience certain things in nature that I see in a different way than I do without the music. Uh, or that um, all of a sudden, um, 
you know it's going to have to be a pretty distinct smell in nature for me to to you know like immediately after rain uh the forest floor is going to have a very particular smell but other than that things like that I don't really think much about it but I notice that particular music can make me a bit more aware and alert of certain things that are perhaps otherwise wouldn't have been that aware of maybe not you know notice at all and then I find myself looking at things um and looking at them for a long time and I think what happens now if I turn off the music does it change and then I turn off the music and like yeah indeed it does change a lot so all of these observations in my sort of non-scientific little <laughs> research project uh also like playing things that you imagine not being a great thing to listen at in the forest and then only to yeah to get that verified that yeah it 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 does not work and then and then i started thinking after a while okay so but this whole thing about visual arts and music i don't like that at all um why why is it that music out here works well for me but when i go to a gallery and there's some background music sound mm -hmm. i don't like it at all and then yeah of course it dawned upon me that okay here's the difference when i'm out here i'm not listening to sound effects i'm listening to music that's why that's why it works because i'm i'm looking at i'm looking at fantastic things listening to real music um and I'm not looking at something of, uh, yeah, sort of questionable quality, being it from sort of okay to poor to really good with, with sound effects. I'm, 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 I'm at the greatest place on earth in the forest and I'm listening to great music, music that works well in nature. That's why I like it. That's why I enjoy it. That's why... That's why I start looking at things that I otherwise look at and wouldn't be looking at, or that's why I experience certain things that I am already looking at in a more powerful way. And that's why I, I become aware of all these smells because it triggers my entire system. Um, so then, then I, you know, these reflections led me to, 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 to think that, so if this was going to work, it would have to be not some emerging young artist uh, talented. It would have to be someone that is one of the big guys, someone with a very proven track record, one of the one of the grandmasters of visual arts. Uh, you know, the, the 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 art in question would have to be undebatable and it would have to be the real thing no not projections on the wall or not some like screen with you know images on a slide it has to be oil paintings and it it, it shouldn't be something which is about technology and like gimmicks and artifacts it should be actually rather on the um contrary quite conservative it should be drawings oil paintings etchings lithographies and um yeah so with that in mind i approached the monk museum because i felt that that would be the most natural thing for me in the world to do to do something with monk. i have a real relationship with edward monk's arch um not only is he one of the greatest artists uh, in modern times um you know being having an active career from the 1880s all the way up until his death in 1944 um but he's also in the region and a part of the dna the cultural dna and heritage uh, of any of any uh, good norwegian citizen so 
um, I didn't really know those people, but they liked the, the idea. And uh, <clears throat> they um, they made me aware of, you know, all uh, the stages and formal processes that um, it had to go through this idea of mine. And, you know, it isn't really about, you know, is his idea good or is it not good? It's also about what other good ideas do we have on the table and and what's our ex exhibition budget for you know the next five years um and uh, how does this fit in or not fit in with everything else that we've got planned so we sat down for the first time in october 2018 and um yeah just the first few months that was just about meetings um, and and process and then from that point on um i started moving forward not knowing really for sure whether uh it was going to happen or not but i had been given clear indications that uh, it's going to take a lot for this not to happen but it still has to go through all the, uh, you know, the procedure. And then, um, and then, um, yeah, um, that's what brought us where we are today. Um, we started the curating of the art was, was um, a part of the early stage of the process. Uh, we didn't complete the entire selection of artwork um, just like that. It took time, but it was an early part of the process knowing that it's not going to work if I try and make music that's going to, you know, uh, fit a certain painting or a drawing because, I mean, uh, it's down to the... It's really simple. All, all, all it takes for, for that not to work is that someone is looking in the other direction <laughs> and, <laughs> you know so, yeah. so 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 you know i had to think you know what am i going to do about that and then i just decided that well we're going to have to have something that looks good by itself something that i imagine that i can write music that can sort of amplify what's in that painting and then secondly, uh, they have to create some sort of rhythm between themselves because music is waveform. So, you know, literally it is movement. Um, it's it's waveform, it's rhythm. Uh, and even if it's, you know, heavy, it's still tempo. Uh, and and so we had needed to make sure that you know we're not talking about something which is static looking so whether it was you know branches blowing in the wind or whether it was hair blowing in the wind or arms embracing another person it had to be something that had movement in it so that it would um coexist with the music in an unforced and organic manner to put it like that mm. uh, and then the music that i wrote that was my emotional response to my perception of all these edward munch works and what they left inside of me um and that coincides um, very well with Edvard Munch's <clears throat> philosophy. You know, he, the guy, as I always said, the guy was a quote machine. And one of the things that he did say was that, um, I do not paint what I see, but what I saw. Um, and, you know, that's how I approach the music. I'm not going to 
sit there and literally look at one of the paintings and say, all right, so is this going to be a C minor or an A minor? You know, that's not going to work. But I've been living very close to all these paintings and lithographies, and um, they've been uh, in the back of my mind or in the forefront. Like, they've been with me all, all the time. So always when I'm writing, um, it is how I've been processing that artwork. That's what comes out on on that old Minimog analog synthesizer or that electric guitar, whatever it is that I'm using to compose. I like also you've spoken about the emphasis that he had on, you know, attitude and feeling and vibe over, you know, trying to be the most technical or having some kind of perfect technique. And it, it reminds me of things that I have read from you in the past, uh, unrelated to this, you know, talking about metal records and, you know, Bonded by Blood in particular and how, you know, Paul Bailiff, rest in peace, his vocals were sort of maniacal and all over the place and how much cooler yeah. that, you know, a performance that's attitude versus, and I would think even, you know, with some, bigger sort of legacy rock bands you know someone like Kurt Cobain wasn't a great guitar player or a great singer but had so much emotion and feeling and and sensibility about the music he was creating mm. yeah and, and and uh and the continuation of of uh of what you are sort of correctly stating now um I uh um you know as for as for streaming services i'm using spotify and and then uh, yeah that seems to work okay but then there was some offer of a free subscription for apple music for six months so i thought okay let's try but what i noticed that it has a sort of funny tendency of uh starting to play when i don't expect it to play so it's <laughs> sort of work, working too well with it with the iPhone and, mm -hmm. and then and then also uh if I'm you know listening to a, a certain uh black metal song and then how it just goes to another black metal song that I in no way selected myself. So I thought, <laughs> oh wow, it's taking me to some playlist now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so so there are some settings that I have to go and undo, I, I suppose. But uh, anyways, point being is, you know, as I'm as I'm walking from the Munk Museum early today, that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, before turning it off, I thought, all right, let's just see what they have suggested for me. And then just to listen to, you know, a quarter of a song or half of a song walking back home thinking, OK, uh, and, and some of these bands, I, I know very well who they are and some I'm not that familiar with. Um, and then every now and then um there would be uh some uh, <clears throat> classic norwegian black metal songs and i thought it was interesting that um compared to um all these other bands that i suppose um yeah uh did what they do as a result of everything that came out of norway that the guitar tone and everything is very different from from Norwegian black metal, and I found it to be, um, I guess, more sort of recipe and formula based. Mm. And I and I found those Norwegian black metal things that came on this playlist to sound more intuitive and unfiltered. Um, yes. And uh, and um, yeah, and then. As I skipped through that, the, then one of the songs was um, this song called with a Norwegian title and Vin of Sorg, which means a wind of sorrow, which is um, from Panzerfaust by Dark Throne. Mm -hmm. and, and I was listening to Nocturnal Cultus vocals and I thought, oh, come on, man, this is <laughs> this is as raw and unfiltered as it gets you know and just mm -hmm. fantastic listening to and and particularly for me having norwegian as my you know um mother tongue 
and listen to just how you know he lies his heart on the table and and how emotional his performance is um and and i thought to myself yeah you know who's gonna argue with this uh this is um this is as raw and unfiltered as it becomes and it's interesting that you notice that with monk because uh i i've been with a glimpse in the eye uh, been saying throughout the process of talking to media uh, since since uh, the opening of the big exhibition at the end of April that uh, it strikes me how in many ways Edward Munch could easily be considered the original Norwegian black messeller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, so he, in the same way that that a band like Dark Throne proved themselves as fully capable of doing more technical things with what they did on Soulside Journey mm -hmm. uh, uh, and how how they turned the table with A Blaze in Northern Sky and even more so with Under a Funeral Moon and how uh, Fenris, who was a you know, phenomenal drummer and and never stopped being a phenomenal drummer but i guess um he wasn't showing it in the same flashy way uh anymore when when they went away from intricate death metal to primitive norwegian black metal uh he would only then more play what the song needed him to play and not 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 showing off behind that drum kit and um um, you know, there was a lot of criticism uh, aimed at Edward Munch uh, in the late 1880s and into the 1890s uh, for his lack of technical ability. And it's funny that still to this day, some people will say that, yeah, well, I get it. And, you know, he's got some great stuff, but I don't like that, you know, his paintings or his, his drawings look kind of like sketches i like it when it's more complete in a way and 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 to many of those people who say that there's this slight insinuation that you know that's all he could do but it's interesting mm. because if you see what he did prior to his breakthrough it was naturalism he did he did all the picture perfect stuff and he has many you know before fame paintings where he has proven his ability to to you know to do that technical exercise he knows exactly how to do that uh, but um but yeah seemingly that just didn't do it for him and um i don't remember all the quotes and i don't remember how you know edward Munch being norwegian i don't know how all of them translate to english but uh, he would talk about things like um, being bored by uh, paintings of women sitting by the kitchen kitchen table with a vase on the table, mm -hmm. uh, gazing out the window at the garden. And he said, uh, enough of that. Uh, let's paint paintings which make people uh, uh, take their hats off and 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 feel the kind of awe that they feel walking into um, a church or a cathedral you know that's that's what we should be doing he said he said that and he said that a lot of people feel that um this is a a, a technical exercise uh, and 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 great art is not recognized through you know technical ability and even a line can be great art if it's performed and executed with emotion. Mm. Uh, and mm. uh, yeah, and like I said, I do not paint what I see, but what I saw. And he also kept, he, he doesn't mention music very often. I actually only found one one case where he, he does mention music, but it, he's talking about um, that... Uh, uh, well, it's it's six or seven sentences, but but the core of it is he's he's using a sort of made up word um, uh, that 
that you can't find in a Norwegian dictionary. He's, he's referring to it as Jakteblu, which which directly translates to heart blood. So yeah, he combines these two words, heart and blood, and he's saying that that uh, uh, all types of art, be it uh, literature, visual, visual, uh, visual arts, or music, uh, uh, must be performed with your heart blood. Uh, any good art uh, is your heart blood. And what I read between the lines here is basically, uh, yeah, I, I guess to, he's saying something along the lines of, if you know how to write, a, you know, a great riff, don't just write a great riff because you're a, like a good riff maker. Uh, write a, that riff because you have to get it out of your system. Mm. It is in your blood. It's in your heart. And and you have to get it out. That's why you should be doing it, not because you want people to mosh and and um, and uh, um, yeah. If you if you're a good lyricist, don't write something because it sounds cool or because it sounds sophisticated, and you're good at doing that. You should write what comes from your heart, from your your own blood, your story, the story that you need to tell, and. I find that remarkably similar with the, some of the core values of, of of Norwegian black metal. So the more that I studied not only his art, but but I consumed every piece of literature and documentary and 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 art books and whatever I could find. I I visited his studio, which is still intact, and I also persuaded the people in charge of that to 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 let me work there for a few days during oh, the project wow. yeah and uh um his his house is unfortunately not around anymore but his his summer house is there and and even even um even if he was not into naturalism uh, um edward munk too did use um actual places to set the stage for for many of his paintings and drawings and um and it's pretty well documented where these places are and and those places that i had not yet visited i did go and visit them uh not expecting miracles to happen but kind of just you know try and get a feel for you know what is it that he liked about this place and why did he use this scenery as as to set the stage for for many of his uh, you know great works um and um and i like that process um we have a we have a photographer that has been following satiricon on and off for for a decade or so and and we kept talking about it over a glass of wine and he said that he said that it in a way it sounds like your approach he was addressing me as he said that in a way it sounds like your approach to this whole project is somewhat similar to an actor who is um um who is uh, about to 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 take uh, the lead role as um in a play or a movie about some historical figure and I hadn't thought about it like that but like I told him that I guess it's a fair point because you know when we're working on this I thought to myself that um what I would really hate uh, uh is if someone from that whole art scene said you know gave me this sort of uh uh, nice try i guess it's not you know it's not bad but yeah this is not real art and i really really wanted to do something that wasn't gonna be like a you know like some sort of fun journey for the for the metal crowd i wanted it, this to be um uh, something that transcended musical genres and barriers and i wanted it to be something that was more than anything something that could appeal to people with um, genuine interest in art because I don't see this necessarily as being a meeting between music and art. I see this as being an art exhibition mm. where 
where music is one of the artistic expressions on display. So, and I thought to myself that uh, it's all well and good to have, you know, the works of Munch hanging on the wall and to have this exhibition architecture and the lighting design and all that. But, but at the end of the day, if this is going to be something truly remarkable, I have to try and get to know the person who did all of this, you know, because this is a guy that was known for uh, leaving his heart and soul on the table and really putting all of his emotions into everything that he did. And if so, how can I write music to, you know, become one with that if I don't get to know um, the man, Edward Munch? So I, I felt like this process was, there's a lot of growth for me in this as well. I think first and foremost, it's about doing what you want to do and to try and make it uh, as great as, as you can. But it's also nice if you come out on the other side of the tunnel and you feel that, all right, uh, I'm a little bit better at what I do and, and, and slightly um, smarter and more informed than when I started. And yeah, so. I love the parallels there. You know, it's a great analogy with, Fenris and his 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 abilities versus the performances and the idea of art that is provocative that is disruptive you know the parallels there between monk and as you say norwegian black metal i mean something that i've found to be true throughout my life is the type of art that i connect with music film it, it is something where you get the sense that the person who created it wasn't creating it because they wanted to so much as because they had to. Exactly. Know, if they're not, if they weren't, if they aren't doing this, they would, you know, be a danger to society or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, that there's a, yeah. a point of view being expressed. And I think, you know, I think, uh, I think, um, you know, a massive attack from, mm. from Bristol, England was an interesting band because they, uh, they had, you know, they had their own following in that sort of, yeah, I guess it, it was the music was genre wise, it was referred to as trip hop and, and, and trip hop was a kind of electronica music, which was uh, more sort of slow and mid paced and, and, uh, and more atmospheric than, than other types of electronic music, but not, not like ambient music with 28 minute long songs are like in quotation marks normal song length but <laughs> still still music on on the atmospheric side of things uh, but yeah i remember <clears throat> uh being curious fascinated and and uh and on the lookout for other types of uh, music than the than the music that i grew up with to expand my universe as a listener but uh, also to um, gather an understanding of of um, um, musical solutions and how how you can do things uh, if you have a, a greater perspective than than metal and all its subgenres. So, but yeah, Massive Attack. Yeah, I thought they had some interesting things, but it wasn't it wasn't the mother of all bands. But yeah, some of it I thought was really interesting, and then. Listening to 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 a music show on the radio, <clears throat> driving out of the city. Um, I, yeah, it must have been in '97 then, and then and then uh, the radio host talking about some you know upcoming massive attack record and uh, in a couple of weeks and how it was going to be an exclusive and they were going to play a few songs. And, and uh, I thought, okay, yeah, I mean, Massive Attack, let's check it out. And I, I heard those songs and I thought, what is going on here? <laughs> this, this is, this, this is um, just uh, mind-blowingly good. And, and I could not wait to hear it again and to hear the rest of it. 
and and to this day um, um it is on my top 10 list of, of greatest records ever and it was interesting because when the band came to norway uh, they played the kind of place where they normally would play uh, a 1400 seater rock venue and they did their show it was sold out um but then they come back five and a half months later and they're playing an arena like a eight and a half thousand seater and that was sold out and that was completely unheard of that any artist from from um, you know call it trip pop or atmospheric electronica would fill an arena in norway uh, it's just that doesn't happen but it happened with them and I remember reading an interview with the band um, that says, you know, and they were being asked, what happened to you guys? Like you, you made a few records, you're, you're a club band and you put out your record and it is without, without a shadow of doubt, the darkest, most atmospheric record that you made. And now, you know, now you're, headlining festivals and you selling out arenas what happened and how does that you know how do you do that and their answer was pretty straightforward it just said that sometimes that music uh is on an emotional level where it becomes universal so if you are a lover of great music whether your thing is you know electronica or jazz or rock or metal it just doesn't matter it it has some emotional qualities that are completely universal and 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 that's it and i thought to myself yeah that's it that's exactly it that's what it's about <laughs> yeah uh it, it just that's when you become like a non genre band when you when you found that magical button and you've pressed it um and uh this is not about um uh, selling out arenas or headlining festivals. This is about um, making sure that the art exhibition is as good as it can get, but making sure that this is emotionally driven to the point where it doesn't matter who you are, like, you know, uh, sex or age, ethnicity, musical background. So... I was sitting down doing an interview um, during the first couple of days uh, in the cafe uh, at the Munch Museum, and uh, some uh, some uh, elderly woman, probably around eighty years old, um, she was nervously approaching the table where I was sitting with this journalist, and I thought she was going to ask for one of her chairs, so. I guess you're like, yeah, yeah, come on, just take it. We're not using it. And then she stood there and I thought, okay, what's going on here? So I turned to her and I said, um, um, how, how can I help you? I'm just, uh, I'm sitting here with a, with a, with a journalist having a conversation, you see. And she said, well, you, you probably don't want to, uh listen to an old woman and i said no 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 please uh I, i'd be interested in hearing what an old lady has to say tell me <laughs> and and she said well you know i'm a i'm a lifelong member of the monk arts club mm. uh and as members of the club we get to go to previews of all uh of uh, all exhibitions here and I said, yeah, I know it's a preview today for, for the Monk Members Clubs. Have you been there? And she said, yeah, I've been there. And as a lifelong fan of Edward Monk's art, I have to say this is one of the greatest things that I've ever seen and experienced. And what an emotional ride. And I said, listen, do you speak English? And she said, well, a little bit. And I said, I'd love for you to tell this German journalist <laughs> yes. that because yes. I love hearing this, but he's the one that's really going to love hearing this. 
and and he did and i, I looking at the after a after a at the journalist i could tell that this is almost emotional to him because here she is an old lady but but um but with a uh with a hardcore commitment to uh to the world of, of visual arts and in particular edward munk and and she's elaborating on on um, on the journey that she's been on, experiencing the Satyricon and Munch exhibition, and I felt that that was almost like a, a defining moment. And then later on, when going the, down there to do press or uh, like friends who want to go see the exhibition that want me to come along, or like taking sort of business partners of Satyricon or whatever to the exhibition, um, then. Then security down at the museum, they they still to this day they they keep approaching me and saying, Hi, yeah, um just uh I just wanted to let you know that and I already know what they're gonna say. <laughs> what they're gonna say is that they have all kinds of people, all ages coming up to them, telling them how great they think it is, and 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 then they say uh that uh uh, yeah, I thought I should let you know, and then I always tell them that I appreciate that very much, and and it's funny because um, so many of your security guard colleagues have told me the same story again and again, and it just for me proves that we did manage to achieve one of the most important things that we have something that has an emotional quality that turns this into a, a universal language it doesn't become a sectarian black metal thing that's perfect and, th and that goes back to that idea of of what people connect to is authenticity and and intention and it does that truth in there is going to transcend whether it's you listening to massive attack or this elderly woman you know experiencing the music you've created in, in concert with this work that she's familiar with from monk that's great um i, I wanted to ask you why have you you've we started the conversation talking about nature a little bit and you and I spoke about this before and I know you've spoken about it in other interviews as well, you know, sort of the difference between uh, sightseeing that some folks might do, of, uh, you know, the occasional walk in the park or something versus uh, your life experience, which is much more, you know, multiple days a week uh, uh, camping and, uh, you know, cross-country skiing and, and just sort of going out to the woods and immersing yourself. I I'm curious, one thing I didn't get a chance to ask you last time is how did that begin for you? You know, going uh, early back into your childhood or wherever the sort of spark or the, the when you first recognized that connection and, and how important it yeah. would be to you. Uh, you know, what's interesting about the country that I live in, that uh, in terms of land, it's huge, but we're we're not many, you know. So uh, uh, I don't have uh, like the 2022 numbers, but uh, let's say that Italy is approximately 55 million people. And Norway is approximately 5.5 million people. And and. Uh, Norway's, yeah, you know, probably more than double the size of Italy. Um, so, so, um, yeah, I mean, we're not Canada, but Canada has the same kind of thing. Um, they're not that many, but it's a huge country, <laughs> and, and uh, Norway's the same way, and and it's been, um. It's been a part of a like political philosophy, regardless of you know left wing or right wing government uh, throughout the history of modern day Norway is that um, there should be people living all over the country, um, and the way that they work politically is that they say that all right, we have something um some sort of service that we need to provide to the citizens of the country uh and we need thousands of people to work there 
um, so we're not going to place this institution in in the capital. We're going to place it mm-hmm. uh, somewhere on the outskirts, on countryside Norway, so that people need to move there and live there and go to kindergarten and go to school there if they want to work at this place. So it's been a way of trying to keep all of the country alive. And it used to work better before, but it, it still somehow works. So that means that many of us, have moved to 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 the big cities or the vicinity of the bigger cities uh you know as we grew older but many of us come from smaller places um and i'm one of those so i grew up uh, in rural norway and uh, i didn't move into uh, the oslo area until i was 10 years old and uh, people say jokingly to this day that you know the reason uh why everyone from countryside norway is so into wildlife um and activities related to utilizing nature is because there's nothing else to do (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it is somewhat you know there there's some truth in that um and um yeah so um i grew up with the nature around me uh, and it was completely natural for me to um so when you're playing with other kids and you don't really have a soccer field nearby or you don't have a playground and you don't have a basketball court or whatever what are you supposed to do so you go playing in the forest or whatever you know you you use what you have um and um so that became sort of a natural thing to me uh and then and then also um uh, as we moved closer to oslo we did live on a peninsula outside the city with with great nature and and uh uh one of the the deals that i struck with my parents for my allowance was that that i needed to walk the dog so whenever i came home from school and they were at work it was my responsibility to take the dog for a walk um and uh, and you know i don't know how many records that i really got to the bottom of you know while being out there walking the dog uh on gravel roads where we lived in the beginning and then when moving to the west side of this peninsula um there wasn't the gravel roads anymore like the houses were sort of more um on top of each other but then we have the forest nearby so so basically the the best way of of taking the dog for a walk was just walking a couple of hundred meters and then you know there i was in the forest so it just becomes a natural part of of what you do and what i see with my own sons is um um that throughout the years they've learned to appreciate what nature uh really is about because when thinking of it um you know how all these things that 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 i've seen in nature uh, they're fantastic but but most of them they're not spectacular you know i uh we have uh wolverine in norway but you know i never seen one and and we have uh we have lynx um so like uh, our version of, of a bobcat in a way and I, yeah i only met i only met one in the wild one time in my life um i've never never met a wolf uh i never met a bear actually i don't want to meet a bear either but uh, <laughs> they're maybe there from, maybe from a great distance <laughs> yeah from a great distance um so so yeah i mean what do you see uh yeah uh from time to time um there is going to be a huge impressive eagle if you're really lucky an owl uh ravens you see now and then uh then you see black black crow on a tombstone black crow on a tombstone (laughs) and you'll see um you see and you will see a a moose uh a deer these kind of things but most of the time being in nature and that's what i see with my sons is that they learned that it's very much about uh appreciating the little things so 
you know, when we've been there throughout the winter and spring is coming and, and I, you know, I, I could see that my six-year-old is like, he's saying, look, butterflies, butterflies. And I'm like, where, where? So, so, you know, he's, he's starting to understand that it's a sign of spring and summer, you know, mm. the, the butterflies are reappearing and, and, um, certain types of berries that you only find deep into the forest they start to notice these things that they that's a sign of that that fall is coming upon us you know um and and when you when you learn to live with that 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 nature is about appreciating all these small little things that's when you truly embrace it and um what i find is that recreational walks they're 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 great uh, it's good for your for your mind and your body um but the best part is spending enough time to feel somewhat detached from civilization and to uh spend time with your thoughts and be able to take it in and and sometimes even for me uh i enjoy the the borderline between joy fascination and and fear hmm. where where you you know you're you're camping and you're on your own and it's dark and the only thing you can hear the wind and then you hear some branches breaking and some sounds and you go oh and then there's a lot of that and it keeps getting closer and closer and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? And I like that slight unease that mm. I, I'm alone. It's dark. I can't. I can't see what is. Is it the wind? Is it some animal? What is going on? But I, I like that um, sensation, if you will. And it doesn't just provide me with inspiration um uh as an artist but it is immensely rewarding just as a human being that's beautiful uh, i, I want to ask you a uh, last thing if you would if you wouldn't mind um an update on your health uh, the last we spoke um it seemed like everything was good and you just had to go get it checked on once in a while to make sure nothing had changed is it yeah and, and that's, that that seems to be the situation still that um i'm i'm, I'm good and uh i don't fortunately i don't have to do all these checkups that i used to do uh because they did so many of them that it came to a point where the where the brain surgeon said that listen um uh this is like the most well mri scanned brain in norway <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and he and and he said that from you know what what we know about mri scans uh they're not harmful but relatively speaking it is fairly new technology and as um nothing has changed significantly and what has changed is completely within our expectations then i don't want to keep doing all these scans because you know from what we know it's not harmful but there are a lot of things in medicine that we find out 20 years later that, oh, no, that is actually quite harmful. So, yeah, why, so, why, te why tempt fate? <laughs> yeah. So he said, let's not, let's not just do MRI scans uh, endlessly just to make sure because we have a good overview of what's going on and, and um, you seem to be doing fine. And then if you... Uh, if you have the symptoms that you now and then uh, have, you know what it is. And and um, uh, if you find yourself, you know, in in bad shape, 
and you know you know this this demon well enough to to recognize him and then you also know how to reach me that's that's when you pick up the phone and call me and say hey uh we need to we need to have a look at what's going on here and so that was a bit of a relief to me because um um i, I want to get on with my life and i think that it is it is for us human beings um, um most of us uh will not have and you know will not enjoy the privilege of walking through life without anything ha happening to us like sooner or later someone you know we're going to have problems with with uh, our hearts our brains cancer or like some condition that is going to be uh very compromising to our health um and then there are those who have to literally fight for their lives uh, and some of them don't make it and and uh and then there are uh, others like me who have um you know uh, a real hardcore wake-up call and then it does something to your life and then you feel like oh okay fuck you know um what am i gonna do but then then in my case you realize that i realized that um yeah well um i'm not dying but um uh it's here and it's not going away but as long as we know what we have to keep an eye on um and i can keep it in check then then it's not that big of a deal uh, and it is very human uh, having to have health issues that uh, doesn't have to be sort of the the on top of your agenda but it's just something that you have to yeah um keep an eye on and and that seems to be the case with me so yeah i'm good thanks for asking yeah that's fantastic and even just knowing what it is uh, is provides so much more calm i would imagine versus you know having symptoms and going i don't i don't know what's wrong with you know being a I think that, that, that's the ultimate nightmare to uh i i really feel for those people who uh yeah they don't know what's going on and then they just become uh a victim of a system where you know some some specialists try to figure it out and they can't figure it out and they send you to the next guy and he doesn't know what's going on. And then, and then uh, in the meantime, someone is in excruciating pain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, cheers for the monk exhibition. It's fantastic. I know it's been going for a bit and uh, all of the, just the way that your art is able to connect and speak to, people outside of the realm of the the audience that you've built over the last you know several years i think is is very cool and uh, you know there there are a few visual artists i can think of that would make as much sense together the way monk does so well very thank cool. you so much i i uh i uh i don't know what's going to happen after this but i i feel like i don't i don't have to know that at this point but um uh, it was interesting having um i had um samoth from from emperor visit the exhibition today oh nice and, yeah that was very nice to to see him again and and uh he, he lives uh, he lives out of town and then yeah so he brought his oldest daughter over and and uh we went to the exhibition to, together and sat down for a cup of coffee afterwards and we did briefly touch that subject and said that um um i don't know what i'm gonna be doing uh and i'm sure that some of it will be um you know in in the similar vein of of things that we did prior to to this project and i'm sure that some of it will um be yeah influenced by what we have done now but you know what exactly it is that we will be doing i don't know but what i do know is that um with what we've been working on for the last three and a, and a half years and with the effect the pandemic has had on the band there's just no way 
that we can turn back time and say, all right, let's, you know, let's just continue in the same <laughs> way that we did prior to all of this. Um, but like I also told some of that, it's good to do something like this because, you know, you, you know, you, you, you grow up loving music and then you, you pick up an instrument and just like the greatest uh dream that you have uh comes alive you know you become a pro musician and and you do what you love for a living but then but then you know um then you find yourself just repeating that same cycle of mm -hmm. You know, writing, recording, touring, and then short break, and then uh, back at it, and and um, like I was saying to some of, referring to to a conversation I had with Frost, where I said to Frost, "Is that uh, it's funny because uh, all of us we stop dreaming. Like once we have achieved that dream of like playing in." in a band making music for a living you you settle in and and then you don't aspire to anything anymore you just keep on doing the same thing and you realize that what you're doing is that you're a part of something that has very little to do with art basically what you you're doing is that you're spending your time in in what is i think it would be more precise to call it the entertainment industry Mm. and um and uh so like i said to some of i certainly don't want to uh spend the rest of my career um uh, to be someone's 0800 satanic clown i don't want to uh, have someone look upon me as the the like you know why don't you come and play some mother north for me you know uh i i don't want to be that guy so to do this project is also going to help shape the future for satiricon in a way where um we can uh, we can use us that as a springboard uh, for our next step, if you know what I mean, yeah. And it's very much in line with what, you know, Emperor Satyricon, Dark Throne, what all of you stood for in the beginning. You were never about doing what was safe. And if it becomes doing a certain kind of black metal has now become safe, then it's that much more disruptive to, you know, imagine being able to tell teenage Samoth and Satir that you would be having a coffee discussing your art exhibition <laughs> and your children. You know, you, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's awesome. And, and you know what? Uh, yesterday, uh, I uh, uh, I was increasingly frustrated talking to talking to you know my family, and I said like, "All right, who wants to who want who wants to head out to the island for a swim? You know, uh, who wants to head out on an off road bike? Who wants to go for a walk? Like, come on, let's get out of the house." And everyone's looking at me like, "Oh no." Here he goes again. And then <laughs> and then at some point I say, all right, uh, fuck it. Uh, I'm I'm just going out by myself. And you know, my wife is like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, but I'm I'm not I'm not staying here anymore. So what I did is I um uh, jumped into the 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 most fun car to drive that I have. I put a, a skateboard in the trunk and then I drove out to the peninsula where I uh spent most of my uh, uh upbringing i had uh there's a concrete bowl there um there was no one there and i did just half an hour in that bowl for myself i don't know how to do it anymore but but yeah now i can i can cruise in the bowl and that was fun mm -hmm. and then i thought all right uh, let's just go for a walk in the forest so i did that and then um and that that felt great. And then I I thought, oh, it's been it's been a while since I've been listening to the music from the exhibition 
in nature and then as um towards the end of my walk and it's getting pretty dark outside I'm thinking to myself that yeah let's let's see we've got about 20 minutes left until I'm back at the parking lot uh, why not try and listen to Satyricon and Monk for the last 15-20 minutes and see how that feels tonight so I did that and then I was looking at one of the paths that I could have chosen and I normally go straight forward uh, to head to the parking lot I'm looking at the one to the left and I thought isn't this the path that will take me to to the uh, to the vicinity of the house where I used to live and I think okay yeah it is so I kept walking down there and I thought as I walked through one of the you know places I thought oh that's actually where we took some of those photos that ended up in a Xerox copy machine version on the, the Forest of the Throne demo. And all of this while I'm listening to the satiric on the monk music. And then and then uh and then eventually I knew that I'm gonna walk right through that little space in the forest where we took the photos of me that's on the cover of, of uh, dark medieval times and 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 i found it and i was just standing there looking at it and i was thinking to myself all right so i was 17 when we took those photos i'm 46 now and here i am and i had to take out my airpods and just yeah stand there and look and i put it back on and you know press play again and i thought yeah, who would have thought when I was out here taking <clears throat> pictures for dark medieval times that I would be, you know, returning, uh, yeah, 29 years later and uh, listening to music, uh, a musical work written for an art exhibition by, by Edward Munch. But um, that's what's beautiful about life. Uh, you don't if you if you want life uh, to be exciting uh, it will take all kinds of mysterious ways that um, that you cannot imagine amen <laughs> and and it, and it's i love that bringing you full circle to that moment of reflection was a result once again of taking the left hand path it was <laughs> it was <laughs> all <Literally>. right <laughs> thank you so much Thanks Thank so you. much. Uh, very massive, massive pleasure to speak with you. I really appreciate it. And um, hope to do it again sometime. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.